Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Kevin Ingram. Kevin appears on the guest line that is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He is really a fantastic craftsman. If you are in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call, 615-830-9458. Kevin appears on the guest line. That is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our podcast with Kevin Ingram. Kevin Ingram joins us. He is the sideline reporter for Vanderbilt football. Commodores, of course, haven't played in a couple weeks. Last time out, a 55-3 loss to Alabama. But some better news I felt coming out of the press conference, Kevin. Um, First of all, welcome. Second of all, um, I thought Clark Lee sounded more optimistic about a lot of guys getting healthy maybe than he has maybe more optimistic than he's been all year yeah chris there are several guys that he was asked about in the press conference uh i, I guess i actually from you <laughs> but uh yeah I, I thought it sounded like a pretty optimistic injury update he gave us some of that as well on monday night when we did our, our commodore hour show but uh to me one of the real big ones is over on defense Jalen mahoney plays a nickel position just a very experienced defensive back uh I don't know. It would. Who knows against Alabama if one guy's going to make a ton of difference, no matter how good that player is. But you know, he's just an experienced dude who's been a really good defensive back for Vanderbilt. Got hurt in the NIU game in the first half and didn't return. And uh, I'm not sure how optimistic they were that they were going to have him for the Alabama game. But uh, sounded a lot more like he was going to be back this week. So that, that's a really big one. I know there there are a couple guys. I mentioned Braden Babs coming back, which they could really use some depth on the uh, defensive line for sure. Uh, Dolphin Xavier Castillo on the offensive line. Uh, sounds like he's going to be good to go. So several guys that were uh, inquired about, and it sounds like most of them are in pretty good shape. And that's a good thing about having an open week uh, in the middle of your season. You're able to get some guys healthy and uh, maybe get some treatment that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise and give them a couple extra days, and hopefully they'll be good to go. Yeah, that prompted me to grab the depth chart. Uh, The first thing I checked for yesterday was Mahoney because I think he's probably their best defensive back. You can debate that. Dericky Wright could be the answer there, too. And and Wright, by the way, played really well against Alabama. Um, But I haven't, like, this – let's be honest. This this team needs a playmaker – and Mahoney is probably the guy that throughout his career, as much as anybody on the roster, has been that. Again, I think Wright's got that potential. Um, I don't think he's got like a sl- – I'm not sure if Dericky's even got an interception, but um, Mahoney's got a few, and, and that's something this team is going to have to start generating if it's going to win some of these SEC games ahead. 
Yeah, Jalen does have a few on his resume. Jericky Wright actually had an interception in that game in Northern Illinois in the second half. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was the key. Was really a key play. Uh, but but you're right. You need to have playmakers in your the defensive secondary, and and Jalen Mahoney has been a guy who's proven that that he can be that. Uh, Vanderbilt kept this uh, turnover streak alive just barely against Alabama. Uh, they had. They actually lead the SEC in that department, a streak that stretches into double-figure games going back to last season. But they extended it thanks to a turnover caused by the punter, Matt Hayball, who uh, <laughs> he made multiple tackles in that game. You don't want your punter making too many tackles or uh, causing too many turnovers uh, because that usually means there is a breakdown somewhere else in your uh, coverage. But uh, I coached. Clark Lee also said that uh, he, he's learned something about Matt Hayball in that game and that uh, you know he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and make something happen. But kind of back to your original question, Jalen Mahoney is so important for this secondary. And I, th- I think that Ricky Rice had a nice season. And, and you're happy for that guy, too, because it's been a lot going on in his life on and off the field. And, you know, he, they Vanderbilt has stuck with him and he's stuck with Vanderbilt. And uh, it's turned out well. He, he's really having a nice season here in the black and gold. Has anybody ever spotted Matt Hayball and Carrie Spear in the same room? <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I thought of the same guy when he was out there making plays against Alabama. I was like, I remember Carrie Spear chasing down uh, kicks and making plays. And you know, usually those guys will kick the ball off and some of them just sort of uh, duck in the back or maybe head on over toward the sideline. But sometimes you have those kickers that aren't afraid to go down there and mix it up and it makes you nervous. But uh, you appreciate their effort and their willingness to hit somebody. And Kerry Spear was that guy a few years back. There's no doubt about it. And I, I thought of that same dude uh, when Matt Hayball was uh, down there chasing down plays at Alabama the other night. Who was it that Kerry Spear belted in that Tennessee game here? Was it was it Cordero Patterson? Do you remember that play? I, I vaguely remember that play. It might have been Cordero Patterson. I couldn't tell you for sure, but yeah, he he had quite a few people during his time and made some stops. Yeah, that's that's uh, that that's one of those. I don't know how you feel about your punter being a headhunter <laughs> because uh, <laughs> right. I mean, like on one hand, you know, he's he's maybe stopped a touchdown or two. On the other hand. Um, Man, you lose him. And by the way, I don't know if you got to see the interview that we did yesterday um, with Justin Lustig, their special teams coach. But he was very quick to point out. He's like, and by the way, Matt's got one year left. <laughs> um, he, I, he, he very much wanted um, – I, I don't know if that was a message to, to Matt Hayball that, hey, buddy, we, we really want you back or just a, a point of fact for us. But I thought it was interesting that he just – threw that in in the middle of the conversation yeah he's he's been really good for Vanderbilt this season uh, you kind of look at his numbers he's having a nice year and you know for a team that you know we well know what Vanderbilt's up against playing in the SEC a punter's a key guy for you and uh, you know some teams haven't punted very much and some teams have punted quite a bit and uh, Hayball's he's been very good and you know some of the situational things that you need to do need them to do as well it's not always blasting it down there it's just, it's hitting it in the right spot. And I've really been impressed with him so far, his first season playing here. Okay, I just noticed something on the depth chart that I've I've never – I don't know if this was on the chart last week or this is a new thing. Um, they put 12 positions on the depth chart, which is not inappropriate because um, that anchor spot is sometimes on the field or off the field. I've said for a long time – the thing that I think you would would like to be able to do if you can figure it out is how do you get to Ricky Wright or C.J. Taylor 
How do you get them on the field at the same time? You look at the starting safety spot. That is listed as Wright, Taylor, and Marlon Sewell in that order. You look at the starting anchor spot. That is listed as Wright, Taylor. It says Wright or Taylor with uh, Michael Owusu as the third guy there, which is interesting because Owusu is the starting star, which is basically your your light rush end is what that position is. Right. Um you know, doesn't always play with with a hand on the ground, but or I guess doesn't usually. But that that that's interesting. One that your starters at the star and the safety, your your order is the same. Although, excuse me, at, at anchor it's it's right or Taylor at safety, it's just right and then Taylor, and then, and then you've got a Wusu now playing both spots. I don't know when they snuck that in, and this may be news to you. So sorry to put you on the spot, but that that is an interesting thing on the depth chart this week. Yeah, Chris, I, I noticed that actually a couple weeks ago before the Alabama game, they did the same thing, and uh, I, I may go back even a, a week or so. It, it does. You're right. I'm I'm looking at the yeah. Bama chart that I, that I just pulled up, and they did the same thing then. Right, and yeah, there there are different packages for different situations, and you know those, those sorts of things, and you know sometimes you'll see. Ricky Wright is, is a good example of a guy who's very versatile. He can do a lot of things for you, so you're able to, you know, you listen to a couple spots there. And I, as far as, like, looking at a depth chart, I always talk, sort of take those things with a grain of salt because sometimes it feels like coaches just put something out there to, to put a depth chart out there, and, and maybe it doesn't mean uh, uh, everything when it comes to examining uh, who's actually on the field or who's going to be the starters and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, I, I think DeRicky being listed at those spots with C.J. Taylor just shows you the versatility of those guys. And, um, yeah, the, you're right. The, the star position is sort of that uh, hybrid, you know, rush in outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I like the way Michael Owusu's played there as well, fifth-year guy. So, yeah, it is it is interesting to see a depth chart that has uh, more than 11 guys listed, but you know, more than 11 positions listed anyway. And uh, that's what Vanderbilt's put out through the last couple of weeks. You know, the other interesting thing is this youth movement in the secondary, uh, which is not surprising. Steven Santianola has played a good bit. Uh, he's backing up Max Worship this week, which was also the case last week. You've got Jeffrey Ugochukwu, who has sort of moved up the pecking order at corner a little bit, it seems. He's listed as a backup to Russell this week, played a decent amount against Alabama. Um you got Jajias Richard backing up Mahoney. Richard out there, I think, for 15 or 16 snaps against Hawaii. Then he got hurt. Um, if you want to go true sophomores, Tyson Russell is, of course, a starter. Uh, John House, true sophomore. Also, uh, he's the third guy listed at the nickel. House has also played some safety. It will be very interesting in the coming weeks. Uh, the only spot where that's not sort of a – up for grabs is at that other corner where they now list Lucian, who's a fifth-year senior transfer, and Anderson, who's a fifth-year senior who started the year ahead of Lucian. That is now flipped. But point is, you're seeing a lot of young guys get time in that secondary, and I'm guessing that trend is not going to decelerate, A, given where the program is in rebuilding, and B, just giving the issues they've had in past defense, which is not all on the secondary, of course. Um, a lot of that's just inability to generate a pass rush, but it is what it is at this point. 
Yeah, it is. And you're looking ahead to the future with, with some of these players. And uh, you, you play young guys out of necessity in, in, in some of the spots. We talk about the injury to Jalen Mahoney. So you got to plug somebody in there. And it's not going to be nearly as experienced as what uh, Jalen is going to be uh, when he's on the field. But uh, it, it, it's interesting to see some of these guys get uh, baptism by fire uh, at, at Alabama, especially the, a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking about that play where Alabama gets a stop. Vanderbilt goes for it on fourth down at like 35 or 37 yard line. And Alabama immediately throws the deep ball when you, you flip the field around. And, you know, they, they threw it right at Tyson Russell. And uh, you just got there one on one, see if you can make a play. And, uh, you know, those, those are learning experiences for these young guys. And you know, I think the future is bright for a lot of these players. You mentioned Jeremy Lucian and, and you know, guys like BJ Anderson, they've been around here. And uh, Jeremy is the first year here in the program. But, yeah, just, it's, it's good experience. Now, it's going to be tough sometimes, and you're going to give up some plays, and uh, they're going to make mistakes and all those things, but you figure it will serve them well down the road. That experience they're getting now is going to be something that's going to benefit them uh, maybe later this season or especially as you go into next year. You know, the other thing that will help, and I'm, I'm going to double-check this as we go, I don't think Miles Cecil played against Alabama, and I believe Clark Lee said yesterday that he should be back for this one. Yes, I think I think that's correct. I remember him talking about Miles Cecil as well, a defensive tackle. So, yeah, any any depth that Vanderbilt can add to this the defensive line group is certainly going to be more than welcome. You know, it feels like injuries have uh, made it tough with that group. You know, Davion Davis hasn't been able to play the whole year trying to get back from the knee injury from last season, and he just had some guys out. And uh, Kiba Wesley's come over from the offensive line and played some, but yeah, the and I know I've said this a lot of times, probably on your show, but. You think about the key to having success in the SEC, one of the big keys to me is always depth on the defensive line. The, the teams that are really good, it's no secret that they're going to have seven or eight guys that they can rotate in and out on that defensive front. Um, yeah, that you know, If you have some injuries to those guys and uh, maybe you weren't super deep to begin with, it's going to make it tough for you. So hopefully uh, some of those guys returning is going to really help Vanderbilt this week. Well, and some encouraging developments on the offensive side, too. But let me get to the thing that was, I guess, the headline first. And I don't remember who had the question, but uh, I think Clark was asked something about the quarterback position and, and finding a spot for Wright. And ever since they have made A.J. Swan the starter, that's been a place that Clark really hasn't wavered. But, Kevin... This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster. So go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. He did talk about creating things for right and, and kind of gave us a little bit and said, yeah, that that's the thing we're evaluating. And then said, well, I wouldn't be a head coach if I told you specifics. <laughs> um, 
So, which was sort of a, well, you, you sort of told us a little bit, but you wouldn't go all the way. Um, but I mean, look, it's not hard to figure if they're using Mike Wright for special packages, it's going to be and short, you know, option situations, two point plays, stuff like that. But it was interesting to hear him talk about, yeah, we, we have maybe got a plan for using Mike in, in certain roles and, and to come out with that on Tuesday. Yeah, I ask him the same question on Monday night. I try to be a little little tactful. Uh, I, I know you can't give away too much, but uh, how do you make the most of Mike's talents? I think it was sort of how uh, I put that question because I've been asked about that a lot. I was like, what are they going to do with Mike? You know, you, Is he going to stay on the sideline the rest of the year? And uh, Clark's response when I asked him that question was like, well, we wanted to get A.J. You know, out there to experience sort of the, the, the full thing as far as being the starter and not be looking over his shoulder and worried that he's going to get yanked at the first sign of trouble. And, uh, you know, he was in there from start to finish to Alabama, regardless of the score. And I, th- I think they just wanted to have him to have that, in, you know, entire experience of playing the whole game. And he played so well at, at Northern Illinois, 255 and four touchdowns in his first start. He was really good there. But I, I get the feeling, and I've said this all along, I get the feeling we haven't seen the last of Mike Wright. And you know, he's so fast and he can do things for you. We, we've already seen it this season in games back earlier in the year. I just feel like there's got to be a place for him. Like you say, in certain situations that you, you got a third and two or something, or you're in a spot where uh, you need some short yardage or you want to just mix things up a little bit and you know put some speed out there. I, I feel like Mike's going to be a guy that as we get a little deeper in this season. Uh, I, I feel like he's still going to help this Commodore team. And, and obviously his personality and leadership are, are already going to be a big plus on the sideline. But I, I think on the field, we're going to see uh, more of number five, maybe as uh, things progress. And I, that that's, that's just based on my own feelings. That's not based on anything I've seen or, or anything like that. But I, I I really kind of have felt all along like uh, Michael's still going to be a factor this season for this offense. Okay, a couple of other developments, Kevin, that I thought were interesting. Uh, Quincy Skinner, who has not played much since getting hurt in the Hawaii game, is listed as a starter. I'm looking back at the depth chart for Alabama. He was not listed on there at all, did not play at all. They talked about him being healthier. Uh, That is not an or situation. It is Skinner. As that other wide out, um, McGowan obviously would go in the slot. He is still the starter. Skinner is a guy, Kevin, that you saw camp too. This is an offense that needs game-changing playmakers. And there were times that I thought, like if you saw him on a certain day, you might come away thinking he's their best guy. No, look, clearly that's Will Shepard. And consistency is, is something it, it look you, it's not about going out and watching practice one day and, and making observations from that because uh, the, the long haul is where you should make those and, and Quincy is not on that level with Shepard but the point I'm making here is that he did flash things at times and I I think a healthy Quincy Skinner um, especially with McGowan at that other spot and Shepard making plays Shepard's going to see an awful lot of double teams and if you listen to Nick Saban talk after the game, it was clear they were worried about one guy, and that's Will Shepard. I think having Skinner, if he can do what we have seen him do at times in practice, really, really helps this offense. Yeah, I know that about it, Chris. I mean, you have to have some more guys who can catch the ball and take some pressure off of uh, Will Shepard and, and really Jaden McGowan, too. And those are, you know, you know, those are the main two targets at wideout. We even saw uh, Gamarian Carter 
make his first career catch uh, last time out against Alabama. But uh, really, when you kind of look up and down who's listed at the receiver spots, not a lot of these guys have had tons of catches. Devin Body's played quite a bit. He's made a few catches over his career. And um, one thing I, I would like to see more of is uh, use of the tight end. Ben Bresnahan has certainly shown he could be a, a very capable pass catcher. He can make some things happen. We've seen him hit Gavin Schoenwald a couple times, even a, a touchdown a few weeks back, actually two touchdowns this season. But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like they just have to have something to take the pressure off Will Shepard because that's not going to be the last time he's going to see double teams. You feel like everybody's going to just try to lock him down. And to his credit, he's been able to make some things happen. He had three catches and I think over 50 yards or so against Alabama. But, um, yeah, I, I – I just want to you, you want to see a few more guys get involved, whether it's Quincy Skinner or it's you know whoever. Uh, just give some help to uh, to Shepard and uh, maybe help open things up for him and, and Jaden, who's also having a really nice season as a true freshman. He may not be the biggest guy in the whole world, but he can get open and make some catches, and uh, he's done a good job so far. Yeah, and the other thing I asked Justin Lustig about this on Tuesday. Cole Spence really caught my eye late in camp last two weeks made a lot of plays he has not played yet I think my guess is they're going to use him the last four games because he said we do have a plan for him I think Cole Spence is a kid that potentially not only when they start playing him it may maybe I wonder if it could potentially be more than just a guy you know who plays seven or eight snaps and says, well, I, I got in games. I'm thinking he could be a guy that they could use pretty quickly downfield. And I haven't said that. They're not using the tight ends a whole lot in the passing games. I don't know if that is is philosophical or personnel, but that is the thing that I've circled for a while is, is keep an eye on that one. It may be a month away, but I have a feeling uh, it, it's coming with Cole Spence, and I'll be very interested to see what it looks like once it does. Yeah, I think those things are, are always really interesting with that four-game situation where you can play guys for basically a third of the season and, and not uh, burn a year. Um, you know, anymore with the way college athletics uh, has so much player movement, uh, I, I I debate sometimes you know, what's really the value of saving a year or you know a redshirt year and that that sort of thing. But um, yeah, Cole Spence uh, could be a factor, and in, in, yeah, maybe we do see him those final four games of the season, but. Uh, yeah, Bresnahan and Gavin Schoenwald have been the main ones who've uh, caught balls uh, from that tight end position so far this season. And, uh, you know, that position can be really valuable for him. And, and you're right, it's not featured a whole lot in this offense. But um, yeah, you get in those short yardage situations, you kind of have that little safety valve. You can hit that guy and uh, maybe get a get a few yards or get you a first down to keep the sticks moving. So, yeah, we'll see what they do with Cole Spence. I think that's a that'll be an interesting one to watch as we get deeper in the season here. The return of Rocco Griffin and Patrick Smith against Alabama didn't make an impact at all. Um, I, I think that was a product of the situation. But to me, getting those two guys back can, can both be big because Griffin gives him a little bit of a change of pace guy. Smith, the guy that, you know, like, if, again, if, if you showed up on a certain day, you might have walked away with the feeling that he was the best back they had in camp. Um, that was definitely Davis if you watched the whole camp. But point is, Smith has flashed at times. I think Vanderbilt getting back running back depth that it's not had all year is also going to help going forward. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, Ray's been the main guy this season uh, with Rocco injured and Patrick out. But you know, Patrick Smith's guy, he's he, 
last year we saw it a lot. He can catch the ball and make a guy miss and make some things happen. Rocco Griffin, more of a traditional, just hand it off and, and, and pounded uh, running back. And you know, Ray Davis, pretty versatile guy. And uh, But, you know, you, you can't just grind him into the ground game after game. Uh, that's just not going to work over the long haul. So, yeah, having that depth back is, is really big. Uh, Rocco Griffin had a really nice game against Ole Miss last year, if you remember that game last November. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what kind of factors those guys are this week uh, as we uh, see Ole Miss again on Saturday afternoon. Okay, the last thing, offensive line. Um, looks like the starting lineup has not changed. Well, actually it has. Um Hernandez is starting again at center. He missed, I believe, yeah, no, I'm sorry. He started that game. It was Castillo who missed the Alabama game. Castillo now listed as the backup right guard. That's interesting because Brammer, the starting right tackle, Ashmore, the starting right guard. I'm I'm a little shocked that Castillo is, is not in that starting lineup somewhere. But one thing they have done is they've consistently rotated you know, two or three guys off the bench. I have a feeling that's going to be the same thing going forward. Uh, but this week they listed lining up from left to right: Hanson, Cox, Hernandez, Ashmore, and Brammer. Yeah, you always figure you're going to see uh, more than just the five that are listed in, in the starting group, and, and that that's been something we've seen AJ Blazek uh, do this season, and he even said as much going into the year. And I, you know, I've heard uh, Joey Lynch and some others say the same thing that, uh, yeah, we're you know we're where you know you want to have five really solid offensive linemen, but also if you have some guys you can plug in or rotate in and out, the they, they feel like that can work as well. So yeah, I think uh, Delphin Xavier Castillo being back, we'll likely see him in some role or another uh, when Saturday rolls around. Kevin, any thoughts on the game with Ole Miss? Uh, broadcast notes for you guys, or anything you need to promote for the school? Uh, the floor is yours as we end the show today. Uh, 1.30 pregame. It'll be a 3 o'clock kickoff, I think 3.01 to be exact, uh, Central Time on Saturday. But uh, come in, come out and see us. It uh, should be a lot of fun. It's supposed to be a really nice day. And uh, we'll have the latest edition of our Anchor podcast is going to come out this week, uh, likely on Friday. Andrew Allegret and I usually do uh, a bit of a breakdown of that week's game and give some other notes from around uh, Vanderbilt's campus. And this week's guest is going to be Jeff McDonald, who was a longtime uh, women's tennis coach here and now has moved into more an administrative role and does some fundraising and those things. But uh, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have him on was to talk about the retirements of Roger Federer and Serena Williams. And he does a great job uh, of talking about just what those to meant to the sport of tennis on and off the court and just some really good perspective on uh, not just tennis, but on, on Vanderbilt athletics. So I uh, hope folks will uh, tune into our anchor podcast. You can find that on Apple and Spotify, but again, uh, the broadcast info one thirty pregame coming up on Saturday for the Commodores and the Ole Miss rebels. And for people going to the game, I'm looking at the forecast uh, Saturday, low of 44 high of 66 should be, Good football weather. At least this is in Franklin. I presume Nashville would be very similar. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nashville's up north. It'll probably be a couple degrees colder. But. Yeah, looks looks like the high is is one degree higher, forty four. <laughs> so that yeah. there's there's your difference. But uh, yeah, seemingly the only thing that can bring rain to the Nashville area is is Vanderbilt football. It's rained the two home games so far, but no rain in the forecast. For this Saturday. Yeah, I'm bringing my rain gear anyway. I don't I don't always trust those things because it, it feels it. I was wondering if it was going to rain every single week this season, the way the year started, even in Hawaii, where like it's not going to rain in Hawaii, is it? I was like, I'll take my rain jacket just in case. And of course, third quarter rolls around, and it's more than just a mist. It was a it was a full on shower there for a little bit. 
But, uh, yeah, Wake Forest was a bit rainy for sure, and Elon uh, had some bad weather there too. But hopefully the weather uh, will turn with the, the flip of the calendar into October, and we'll have a nice day on Saturday. Well, I think you can trace this back to me. I seeded my yard two weeks ago, and we have not had a drop of rain since. Yeah, ours is looking a little dry, too. Now, on the plus side, you don't have to mow it, so um, I can probably get away mowing it maybe one more time to crunch up the leaves and uh, and then drain all the gas out of the mower and put it away for the wintertime. So, uh, yeah, my, I, I the, the yard looks a little brown and crispy, but uh, I haven't missed having to get out there and, and mow every week, so uh, that, that's a plus. Yeah, there's always a silver lining, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Um, I guess that'll be right after the Georgia game heading into Missouri. So, um, goodness, we'll, we'll be into the second half of the football season. By that point, it has flown by. But thank you for joining us. Thanks, Chris. Anytime. It goes fast. I always appreciate it. No doubt. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.